It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You just don't know what indie means. <laughs> I think it's a dream. I don't know what's happening. I can't really believe that it's true. I'm going to have this time out in juice. I just can't believe that they make some decisions like that. Talk to my attorneys. I think it's adorable. He's the dirtiest driver out here. Hello and welcome to TPF Indie. Episode number one. This is Todd. No, Todd, not now. A.K.A. Native Kimber. And tonight, you know why I've asked you here. You must convince the villagers that I'm harmless. That's exactly why I asked you here. Actually, you are here for the inaugural, the very first, if you will, TPF Indie Episode 1. Uh, if you are a longtime listener of the TPF podcast and uh, a visitor of the website, you will recall that we did do an indie series and uh, we've got some changes in store for you this year. Very excited to announce that we are starting a new and it is now the TPF Indie Podcast. And uh, look, I'll be honest with you guys. You don't want to listen to my pie hole more than you already do on a weekly basis. So, and what do I really know about IndyCar, right? And the reality is that uh, I bumped into a couple enterprising young men who uh, had a podcast and talk about Indy, and they do a great job. I'm totally excited that they've agreed to come over and be part of the TPF stable and provide these bi-weekly podcasts all about IndyCar. They are IndyCar sycophants. They absolutely follow this sport. They're anoraks. They love it, and they follow it much closer than I do. And I thought, what better way to revive the TPF Indy podcast than to bring in Dusty and Zach. Dusty, let me start with you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to take over the helm here. And uh, between you and Zach, uh, take this into the goal line and relaunch TPF Indy. I'm really excited, Todd, but I'll tell you what, I'm really glad it's uh, this is an audio podcast because I have no idea what to do with my hands. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm not sure if the listeners know this. The studio you have set up here, the TPF studio, really, really nice. You've got a five-handle tap over here on this wall, and it looks like a Jägermeister tap over there. I know you like the Red Bull, so it's starting to really flow really well, and I like I what know. you have set up. I know. I've got Atticus and Huxley working on an IPA tap <laughs> for Paul, too. He loves his IPA. It's crazy. I'm telling you. Hey, Dusty, tell us a little about yourself, and then uh, introduce Zach. Let's bring Zach in, too. Oh, geez. I guess we'd have to do that eventually, wouldn't we? Uh, who am <laughs> My well, I am uh, just got out of a really terrible relationship with a website called slipstreamnetwork.com. No, uh, actually, long story short is it was a great uh, project that was something that my cohort Zach here and I had started a while back. Um, we basically tried to take over the world and we failed. And so what are we doing now? We're joining the next best. Well, not not the next best thing. We're joining the the. Uh, well, one of the strongest outfits in the, the, the web recording business, at least one of the, the longest standing stalwart ones. I've been listening to Clearback since the, uh, the uh, FBC days. Oh, wow. Uh, and um, I mean, that really is what that's what inspired that project to actually become. Um, you didn't inspire the downfall, however, so that's the good news there. But no, I think Zach and I, we got tired of uh, just chit-chatting back and forth, and we figured um, recording a podcast and allowing a large audience to listen to it would be easier and quicker than texting with just two thumbs on a cell phone. Zach, do you think that's <laughs> about right? I think that's probably a, a fairly good, accurate synopsis of it. You know, I've, I've kind of made it mention to Jess how I've, my wife, 
how, uh, you know, I tried to make a career out of racing and I failed at that. And then I tried to make a hobby out of racing and I failed at that with you. So, uh, so we're taking this, uh, maybe third time's the charm and we can finally pin something down that sticks, you know, with, uh, with Todd and the TPF gang. Yeah. Hey, at the end of the day, guys, it's really all about the community, right? And, and, and truly that's what I love about both you guys is that you are truly hardcore fans. And that's really what the TPF community is. It's for new fans, for veteran fans and everyone to come and uh, have a beer, sit down and talk about the sport they love. And, you know, my, my, all of my time is, is uh, occupied by my day job. And what little time I have is dedicated to trying to be a father, a husband and following formula one. And uh, and what we find out is, is, you know, it's a great community and and we're elated to have you as part of our community and uh, producing content for our community. I know we have a lot of uh, IndyCar fans in our community. They're just motorsport fans and that's on uh, all around the world, too. So uh, I'm excited to have both of you in because what better time to relaunch the indie podcast than the time that Fernando Alonso himself is heading over to Indy and will contest to try to win. Did, did you guys catch his test today? I didn't see. I knew he tested the McLaren, but how did that go? Well, I think the I think the only goal from it was to just not put it in the wall. And it sounds like that's what you know the end result was. So um, it sounds like for all things considered from McLaren, it sounds like it was a, su- a success if I could talk. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he exploded any birds here either, did he? Oh yeah, that's right. No, he uh, <laughs> he kept it with just uh, you know the wings on the front and on the back. He didn't add any wings to the tires this time. Feathers. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see any of the top speeds or, or times or anything, but uh, I did see a picture and 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 the headline that I read and I I just hadn't had time to read this story, but it said that uh, he was pretty happy with the uh, uh, with the car and and felt positive about it. Yeah, he said it felt different, but I mean that's not all that surprising given the fact that he hasn't really driven the car on an oval with the uh, the new uni- Universal Aero Kit. Yeah, um, he sampled it at Barber, but, you know, that's last year and that's not really going to give him any sort of feel for what it's going to be like at Texas. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's good progress for the month of May. I think they're setting themselves up pretty nicely for what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dusty, I'm assuming I know Zach did because he's an anorak and I'm assuming you did, too. Did, did you both you guys uh, caught the uh, IndyCar race at Coda? We actually caught it in two different forms. So. I'm experimenting something right now, and I think I'm about ready to give it up and and rejoin the old cable uh, club again. So a lot of the a lot of the following I've been doing through this year is with IndyCar Radio and keeping the audio theme, I guess, if you will. And one thing that I I found really interesting, um, it was actually the first race of the year, St. Petersburg. I got a chance to listen to the radio live, then went back and actually watched the rebroadcast of the race, and they give you two really distinct. Uh, feels, uh, different styles. I mean, it's completely different companies that are covering the sport. So you get a little bit different perspective from that. But boy, the the stories that came out of Coda, I mean, and, and you talk about you talk about what maybe this show represents, sort of an olive branch between Formula One fans and IndyCar fans on the TPF website. Mm-hmm. Um, that race, I really think, had a lot to offer both IndyCar fans and then Todd, I know you and I were going back and forth a little bit through, through texting. And I know you had mentioned it on the main TPF show, the, the, the product that the fans got a chance to witness there at circuit of the Americas this past year with the, the NTT IndyCar series was quite a bit different than what they're used to seeing with open wheel race cars there. Yeah. You bring up a really good point, uh, Dusty, because the thing, the thing for me was, is you know, look, there are two separate camps, but there's the diehard F1 fans, the diehard Indy, IndyCar fans, and the two don't necessarily enjoy each other's sport. Then there's a whole chunk of us that are in the middle that love both the, the series and love racing in general. For me, I took a lot of heat when I said I couldn't care less that they're 12, 13 seconds slower than F1. And then yet all you had was hardcore F1, you know, making fun of IndyCar because they're so slow. And it's like, OK, well, they're slow, but they're, you know, here's a here's a here's a clue. They don't spend three hundred and fifty million dollars on their programs either. Right. So um, that's th- that's probably 100 million more uh, for 13 seconds. I'll, I'll keep the 100 million. To me, Dusty, they put on a fabulous race. It was a wonderful race. And if I'm going to 
bridge a scab or heal a scab here. There were a lot of Formula One fans talking about what what was the turn nine, eleven? What was it that they had the the runoff area that they oh, were actually using? Turn nineteen. Right? Nineteen. Sorry. Yeah. And maybe you guys can talk a little bit to that because uh, for F1 fans, they were saying, you know, yeah, it was a good race. It was exciting. There was lots of wheel to wheel action and passing. And that's everything Formula One says it wants to have and yet doesn't. F1 delivered it in spades at Coda, but there's always this asterisk, right? They said that running way off the race line was just ridiculous and all that. I tried to make the case. Correct me where I'm wrong, guys. But wasn't that a case that the series looked at the Indy cars that were running and in order to keep those paces through that corner, keep the excitement going, they just kind of reprofiled that turn on the fly there and let them run out wide because there was plenty of runoff and they could? Yeah, from my understanding, it was just a you know the election not to enforce track limits there. And my my thought on it is, if it's not meant to be run, don't pave the part of the track. Like I know that that's kind of an unpopular opinion among yeah. uh, F one diehards nowadays. But you know, if make it so that there's some consequence if you're going to go off track. Like that's right. a it, it it seems natural to exploit all available uh, you know racing lines that might exist. And if that just goes outside of those two white lines, but if the sanctioning body's okay with it. I don't see why a driver wouldn't want to do it. I just felt like in order to keep those speeds, those cars don't stop as quick. They don't turn as quick as the Formula One cars do. It's a high-speed circuit. Uh, they come into that turn really fast, and I kind of felt like they were running a little wide, and you know what? Uh, it made the racing uh, faster. Uh, it, it wasn't an issue to me. There's been times in Formula One's history where – uh, the FIA has allowed them to take a little more curb, uh, or a part of a runoff, uh, that they probably hadn't in the past because of the curb profile or whatever it might be. Um, you know, they don't let them run that far off out of track limits, but I felt like it worked for IndyCar. It didn't bother me because it was the same for everyone. So everyone took that line and it just became an extension of the track to me. Uh, like they reprofiled the corner on the fly. But um, uh, but if that's the only negative that those uh, F1 snobs uh, uh, can take away from it, um, fair enough. But I thought I thought in, in whole it was a great race. No, I thought uh, just to go and put a final touch on that, that turn 19 yeah. debacle and then sort of bring that into this uh, this larger conversation. I think that's a bit indicative as well of maybe some of the cultural differences that we see with racing across the pond and around the world and some of the racing we have here. Now, keep in mind, just a couple of years ago when uh, we had the Lone Star Le Mans, the World Endurance Championship yeah. and IMSA double header weekend at Circuit of the Americas, which I was lucky enough to attend as a media member once uh, a couple of years ago. Bo Barfield made it very clear that when he was race director, he's like, we are not going to be controlling um, the, the the racing boundaries in, in these particular corners. But the WEC officials certainly did in their race. And there was a lot of discussion with sports car fans about which way was the right way of going about it. Mm. And I think you had just about that same divide that that maybe you're bringing up here between Formula One and uh, an IndyCar. But I mean, like you had mentioned, Todd, I mean, even the racing was so different uh, just based on how these cars grip the road. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember hearing you say on, on the main podcast something about how these cars, just the sliding and the and, and the counter steering and the movement mm. of the cars were so different than what you were used to. Yeah, they were, Dusty. It was a it was a case where they were constantly chasing that rear end, right? Uh, the oversteer was there. The uh, the cars were running really close together in places that you don't typically see the F1 cars run that close together. Lots of organic passing. Certainly, they have the push to pass, um, which, you know, I detest DRS in Formula One. I absolutely hate it, but uh, I'd much prefer push to pass. But, uh, but I thought on par, I, I just thought it was a fantastic product. I think Coda, I know Bobby Epstein and the staff down at Coda, they did a terrific job, hosted a great race. It was a fabulous way to introduce IndyCar to Austin and uh, and the Circuit of the Americas. It couldn't have been better. And I was elated about it. And um, so, yeah, I just I wanted to bring that up before I jump off this podcast and turn it over to you guys, because um, and everybody's thinking, get off. You know, you, this isn't <laughs> about you, man. It's Dusty and Zach. We know those dudes get lost. You F one idiot. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought it was good. Any uh, I guess. From the IndyCar perspective, guys, 
Did you see, I certainly was tapped into the Formula One because that's what I cover. You guys were tapped into IndyCar. Did you see a lot of vitriol or uh, harsh words going back and forth between Indy fans, F1 fans? Did you see Indy fans uh, uh, being hostile to F1 fans? Uh, uh, did you see some common ground on social media or even in the broadcast for radio or TV? Zach, let me let me jump in on this real quick, and I, I I'll let you touch base more on that event in particular, but to lead into that, Todd, we have been, Zach and I have been, and we experimented with a little bit of a F1 and IndyCar show in the past. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I really think, and, and Zach, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm always a bit of a uh, an iconoclast when it comes to this kind of stuff. When I'm in one group of, of people that are like-minded in a certain sense, I'm always more naturally challenging their way of thinking. And I mm-hmm. cannot help but thinking there are some boundaries to break down outside of that 465 interloop around Indianapolis. Um, a lot of the people that we worked with on some former products, uh, I heard it time and time again, them and us, the way we yeah. do things, the way they do things. And granted, it wasn't the vitriol that maybe you had heard in years past. However, mm. there was definitely a distinct difference there. And it's my opinion that these two products serve very different. Uh, well, they're very different products. And so just like I like occasionally going to Taco Bell or e- eating Mexican food or getting a burger, not that Taco Bell's Mexican food, eating real Mexican food, eating a taco <laughs> or eating a burger. They serve two different palates of mine. So does Formula One and IndyCar. Now, I know, Zach, you were very tuned in during that whole um Circuit of the Americas event. What I mean, what was the uh, the discussions going on at the time? Was was the 465 interloop really throwing their fists up? Well, I'm outside of the 465 well, interloop, so I never. But you used to live there. You lived in there. <laughs> I lived you there did. for like four weeks, Dusty. But uh, um, so I mean, like what Todd said about common ground filtering up. I never really saw any on Twitter because um, I mean, I think that's just kind of the nature of it, right? Like that's yeah. the nature of social media. It's just vitriol. So yeah. um, it seemed mostly combative, but I think the only real gripe was the things that we already touched on, which was the racing lines and the speed difference. And those were things that the speed difference was expected coming into it. And sure. I don't understand. I don't understand the gripe from the Formula One fans. And uh, I think like what Dusty said, this whole like us first them sort of thing. I don't think that's it's not the right approach. I think for maybe the sanctioning bodies, it kind of makes sense because as you two touched on, it's two different products, right? But it is. But when yeah. you approach it from just a racing fan, they're the racing series, right? Like yeah. you, they, you can kind of go in and appreciate which each one offers and respect it for what it is. And I think some of that was lost during it. And I was kind of surprised by that, like how that was just, it was just, it felt heated and it didn't feel like yeah. it needed to. Be. So that yeah, was, that's, that's a great point, Zach, because I didn't feel like it needed to be either. I, I honestly thought that there'd be a lot of F1 fans kind of excited to see IndyCar on Coda. You know, we all like Coda. It's a great track and thought they'd be excited about it. You know, Dustin, you bring up a good point. I've held media creds for both series and I've been in the media and in the paddocks for both series on numerous times. Um, there is a us and them for sure on both sides. And I've seen it on both sides. I will tell you that on the IndyCar side access, I find the people in the press, I find the team owners, the team personnel, much more open, much more approachable, uh, much more amenable. Now there for a host of good reasons, formula one can't quite be that way because, uh, the, the investment dollars in that series are too high and you just can't randomly walk around in the garages and that kind of thing. And I get that, but I find, uh, I find the division between the two. I think it's, Look, it's safe to like both series. <laughs> that's that's my takeaway. And I it's do. It's okay? Are you telling it's me okay. it's okay? Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to like IndyCar. You don't, if you like IndyCar, it doesn't mean that you're thrown out of the F1 club. I like them both. And I think they're both great, uh, great series. And uh, I'm excited about McLaren. Zach Brown knows his way around that IndyCar paddock. He knows all the players. He knows all the sponsors. McLaren being involved in IndyCar 
uh, a couple weeks ago saying, hey, if the 2021 regulations aren't, uh, if they're going down the wrong way, that it doesn't benefit McLaren, we may not be an F1. And I even posed the question in the podcast, could he be dog whistling that bottom line is he doesn't want to spend that kind of money if the regulations are still in 2020, uh, 2021, if they're still going to be baked in advantages for Mercedes and everyone, you know, kowtowing to Mercedes. If he's not happy, I said in the podcast, Zach knows everyone in IndyCar. He'll pack his crap up and go to IndyCar. This is something that I've in passing brought up to to Dusty and uh, Ryan Moran, who's going to be joining us later, is that I've wondered for a while now if if the situation might come to pass where we have a Ferrari McLaren rivalry exist in in IndyCar, because we already have Scuderia Corsa that's joined uh, um, with Ed Jones and Ed Carpenter Racing. Yeah. But I'm also wondering if this third manufacturer talk, if if Alfa Romeo might be part of that. So you'd have this connection to Ferrari. And so yeah. like what you touched on, I've, I've been wondering if that might shake out that we have a Ferrari McLaren rivalry come to IndyCar instead of Formula yeah. One. It'd be fabulous if it did. But, Wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. I, I'd be elated uh, to see that, I you know, because Zach knows all of the players in American racing. So he has options for McLaren and uh, and, you know, we're going to see him. You know, we see him taking them right um, in the road car uh, in there. They know America is a big market for them. Paul Charlesley, our my pal, uh, you know, works with McLaren and their sports car driving experience. They're trying to, you know, make that much bigger in the States that. Yeah, there's a lot of upside for that. So. Yeah, watch this space, but uh, that might be interesting. So a uh, couple races into Formula One um, before I bail out of the podcast and let you guys carry on with the real important and good stuff. Uh, from Formula One standpoint, uh, have you did you guys get a chance to uh, to see the first couple of races uh, of Formula One and then the first couple of races of IndyCar? And what do you think of both? Dusty, do you want to take this one first? <laughs> Well, uh, I think the music you play before every time you speak about Mercedes is pretty accurate on the on the main show, Todd. <laughs> and honestly, I've done that for Team Penske on this side of the pond as well. So, oh, funny. Um, it, yeah, it is. There's there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, you know what? There's one thing that um, I think a lot of big international events can do that I don't think others can. Maybe maybe the well, I, of course the the uh, Indianapolis 500 can as well, but. Some of the, the the highs and the lows that you get to experience with some of these high profile sports, uh, seeing Leclerc being passed by uh, a, a healthy Mercedes in his what should have been a Cinderella mm. story red car yes. winning the race didn't happen. Like I what like like I'm a you know this is this I know it's 2019 but I've still got you know I've got to prove you know how buff I am. I don't like to cry out in public, but I'll tell you what, watching that pass made me want to bawl my eyes out because I was rooting <laughs> for that story, and I I mean. I think it's been an exciting. Uh, I think it's been an exciting season so far. I like what Ferrari's bringing to the table, and uh, I don't know what it is. If it's um, you know uh, some of the personnel changes that they've had, or that that whole we really need to to keep things going. We we need to catch up to the silver cars that have uh, maybe caused them to stretch a little bit mm -hmm. to maybe mm -hmm. lose some reliability. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, Vettel needs to keep the front end of his car pointing forward. And uh, we need to see uh, some strong red cars. And I think we'll have a really good season on our hands. Yeah. Battle four spins in the last 10 races. Uh, not not heading in the right direction. That's for sure. And uh, so in the first couple of IndyCar, you guys are excited about this year. The arrow, everything looks good. You guys are excited. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. I think this is kind of the trend of IndyCar lately is, I, you know, I was going to say since the introduction of the Universal Aero Kits, but I think it's longer than that. It's been yeah. since probably 2015, I can think, when they uh, started having the, the Aero Kits in general get introduced. But the competition has just been unreal, and it cool. uh, it continues to be that way. You know, um, I don't think anybody expected Colton Herta to win at Coda. Yeah, um, or Sato. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's just it. You never – Vegas probably has a hard time planning on IndyCar. Yeah. Um, whereas Formula One, it's easy. And so, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and that's what it's, makes it fun. You don't know yeah. who's going to come out with the checkers. And the, the rivalries exactly. are real this year, too, Zach. I mean, uh, of course, with some of the borrowed talent that we've got from from your side of things, Todd, there are some really great, um, some really great competition this year. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I know Felix Rosenquist didn't necessarily come from Formula One, but, you know, definitely. Oh, but from Marcus the, Erickson did the Swede. Yes, yep. absolutely. Um, you don't and, have and these guys Swede. are coming in. 
in, they're coming in with uh, they're flexing their arms, and it's really great yeah, to see. It is great to see, guys. I am elated to have you on board TPF as part of our uh, of our crew and doing this uh, this new podcast, this uh, rebirth of indie. I'm so glad you guys reached out. I want to jump out of the way. You guys, I'm looking at your notes. You've got a great show coming up. I just wanted to reach out to our TPF community. Uh, let you know who these guys are and be part of this uh, first podcast so I could let you guys know about it, who Dusty and Zach are. And I'm totally excited. Thanks, guys, for deciding to be part of TPF. I can't wait to hear this podcast and all the other podcasts that you're going to do. And with that, gentlemen, I bow out because, quite honestly, I'm not not good enough. Damn it, not good enough. <laughs> I'm not good enough for this podcast. I don't follow it like you guys do. So, excellent, guys. I'll turn it over to you. All right. All right. Sounds good. Don't worry about the studio, Todd. We'll uh, we'll put the toilet seat down when we're done, <laughs> and we'll turn the lights off. We'll lock up. You won't have to worry with Zach and I. Excellent. All right, Todd. We'll see you later. And well, as he's walking out the door, a new face, a fresh face, but one that many of you listeners are probably already getting familiar with just walked in the door it's ryan marin hey dusty how are you doing very well now to our listeners who may already be familiar with your voice and may not uh it's going to be getting a whole lot more familiar you're you're much more often on indycar radio this year in fact are you are you doing pretty much the whole season or are you actually gonna have to miss a couple events for some other engagements yeah it comes out to i think 10 or 11 races it hasn't been entirely defined at this point but uh, the bulk of the races i'll be in the pits for which i'm looking forward to along with what i'm doing with sro america a pit reporter for them on television so gets me out to the racetrack pretty regularly which i'm happy about how do you keep your day straight it's a good question i look at my <laughs> shirt and see what logos on it and then from there i figure out what I need to do. No, Ryan, I was just going to quickly ask you, have you heard anything about this uh, SRO America rekindling ties with IndyCar for supporting events on certain weekends? I read Marshall's article. Okay. So in from that perspective, I'm on the same page as you guys. It flies contrary to all of the noises coming out of the series in recent years, mostly because it seems like their constituents, by which I mean their teams and specifically the gentleman drivers in the series, really would prefer more track time. And you don't get a whole lot of that when you share a weekend with IndyCar. That said, I do believe that Greg Gill probably did say the things that that are in Marshall's story. I, I, I'm not trying to suggest otherwise, but it is a, a 180 out of out of the series in terms of their perspective of uh, uh, of trying to find a way to make these things work together. Because this year we're down to just the two with St. Pete and Long Beach. Those are the only two crossovers between what we've come to to know as SRO America, formerly Pirelli World Challenge, and IndyCar. And uh, frankly, I think this is good news to hear. I, I think the two work well together, and I would like to see more cooperation. Plus, it makes it easier for me from a professional point of view. So uh, personally, I'd like to see it, but I think it's also better for both entities. I know this is an IndyCar podcast technically, but out of curiosity, why couldn't they team up with like NASCAR when they go to uh, Sonoma or the Glen? Or have they, they being the SRO America? Yeah, yeah. Directly in competition with uh, NASCAR's road racing arm, IMSA? Well, okay. That makes a little sense, I guess. All right. I don't easy. have a firm answer for that, to be <laughs> that honest. Seems like, that seems like a reasonable one, but uh, <laughs> all right. I guess we should get on to IndyCar topics. Just okay. All right, take it away. I'm done. <laughs> well, it is an IndyCar podcast. You got that right, Zach. It is on a Formula One website, which is really weird. But, you know, that is expanding. We're expanding horizons here. But, uh, I mean, nothing has been as great as the season so far this year. And, guys, we, we're starting this podcast a little bit late in the season. Uh, we've got three races into our 17-race calendar. I think I'm right. It's still 17 races, guys? Yep. All right, good, good. Uh, so we're looking at St. Petersburg, Circuit of the Americas, and Barber more specifically, and then maybe just a look ahead at the uh, the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach this year. But uh, yeah, just looking at the season so far, I, I mean, it's been a, a you know a season of firsts. We had a you know the youngest winner in in IndyCar history. We've uh, we're actually at active Formula One tracks again. It's been a long time we we since we've been there, and we've had an exciting. Um, Barber Motorsports Park race as well. 
Ryan, you've obviously been in a lot of these tracks so far this season. I mean, what has it been like from your perspective being there in person? I mean, what a great season 2019 it started out to be. Yeah, I think so. I will open with the caveat that working in the pits, I don't actually get to see much of the race, to be entirely honest. So my perspective is somewhat more limited. But I can say from an event standpoint, I would I think it's been a bit of a mixed bag because St. Pete was great. There were a ton of fans. They were talking about record crowds, which is always great to hear. I thought Barber, the turnout was tremendous as well. Uh, Coda, I'm, I'm sure this is not news to anybody, but even if the crowd is reasonable, it's not going to feel it just because of how big that place is. It was a more successful event from a fan turnout perspective than any sports car race that I've attended there previously, but it still just didn't quite have the same buzz as the other two races. That said, the on-track action was great. Loved what, uh, what I was able to see and, and what my IndyCar radio colleagues were able to the call. It sounded like a really fun race. And I would say the same was true for both St. Pete and for Barber. Uh, Barber most recently, I thought uh, it sounded like it was a lot of fun, especially early on and maybe settled down towards the end of the race a little bit. But um, yeah, I I think it's been kind of what we've come to expect. You never quite know who's going to be fast when you turn up at a racetrack. The competition is good and uh, the quality of the driving is excellent. There haven't been many incidents so far through three races. And I think that speaks well for the level of talent in the series. So I think most of our listeners have probably already li- watched the uh, the Barber race. If they haven't, I'm this is a spoiler warning that's coming. Uh, were you surprised by Takuma's pace? Because I mean, he was off the pace most of Friday, or at least like you know mid pack. And then, uh, like Dusty pointed out earlier before we started recording, it seems like Saturday they pulled it all together and made use of the practice that they had actually uh, had on Friday and Saturday morning and suddenly found all this speed for qualifying and both, you know, lock out the front row. Was that a surprise for you? It was a huge surprise because Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan as a team had really struggled in qualifying going back to previous years. I think Graham Ray Hall, of course, has been at the forefront of that. That's been a huge topic of conversation in the off season. It seemed like any interview you read from Graham, he was talking about how much he needed to improve his qualifying. I would comment about the Friday pace or lack thereof for the team. I think you can really throw out Friday because of the the strange issues that we saw with the uh, old batch of Firestone Reds that were held over from last year, and they they didn't use their full allotment last year because of all the rain. They held some of those, and and the old tires just did not work on Friday. So as soon as everybody got through that, then we kind of got back to normal. So I wouldn't read too much into their lack of pace on Friday. No one had any idea what to make of what had happened during the the practice sessions Friday, and, and really Saturday was the first chance we got to see see anybody's true pace and from that point on we saw the Ray Hall team very quick but even still none of us were talking about them as a real threat for pole certainly not for locking out the front row it was really cool to see it happen though and again I think that level of variability is something you don't get in a lot of other series and while it was surprising you could also say it wasn't terribly surprising it is IndyCar this is kind of what we've come to expect you you have to expect surprises and, and that's what we got on Saturday in qualifying. Yeah, that's definitely true. This, like you said, this whole weekend was, you know, pretty interesting with all the offs that were going off on Friday. You had, I forget how many red flags on Friday, but then you even had, you know, track maintenance staff bringing out a red flag <laughs> on Saturday with the uh, the rolling over of the sweeper. Um, but like you touched on, always expecting the surprises in IndyCar. Did you have a chance to touch base with any of the the folks over at Team Penske? Were how did they take that loss of not even making it into the Firestone Fast Six? Yeah, I talked to. I think Joseph, after he was eliminated from qualifying, I know my colleague, I think I had Dave first in pit lane with me. He talked to Will Power and both of them were scratching their heads. I know I talked to Simon Pagino as well. And man, it's been a rough year in qualifying, a rough year in general, but especially in qualifying for Simon. And I, they didn't seem to have a real answer. Even post-race, Joseph didn't seem entirely sure why the Penske's weren't really a threat to win. So it's kind of a non-answer there, but I think that's because it's a non-answer for the Penske's generally, um, the, the Chevy camp as a whole, but uh, Penske's the, the banner waiver for them for sure. And, and they really have not had much pace this year for whatever reason on some of these road courses. Uh, Will Powers pace at, at Coda maybe and St. Pete too, I suppose. And I guess Joseph won at St. Pete. So here I am contradicting myself, but especially at Barber, they just were clearly out to lunch. And um, yeah, it, it nobody really can get to the bottom of exactly what caused that, I think, at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They weren't a threat to for the win. But Newgarden coming from 12th up to 4th at a track like Barber, where it's notoriously difficult to pass, I thought that was a fantastic performance from him. I thought that was kind of overlooked by 
um, the NBC sports crew. That's a, sorry, Ryan, but that's how I consume the race on Sunday. But, uh, um, but but it was, it was, that was one of the more impressive runs I've seen from Joseph actually, just because I know how difficult Barber can be. And the fact that he was able to climb up through the field like that, that was something that I think he should be really proud of himself for. Um, but yeah, like you said, this, it was different for team Penske to not be able to take the fight to the, to the podium even. Um, and then uh, Scott Dixon coming in second again. What was that? The sixth year in a row, fifth year in a row, well, not in a row, but it is the sixth or, or fifth or sixth second place finish for him at, at Barber. He had four in a row pretty much right off the bat when the series started going there. I can't remember if that started with the first race there or the second, but there were like four seconds in a row and he had another one relatively recently. And then again, uh, this past weekend, it's, it's really uncanny. I can't believe the guy hasn't won at that track yet because his average finish is like under four it is so amazing how good he is there and yet hasn't had a chance to win and make that eight podiums in the last 10 events of barber yeah (laughs) i mean the guy can't can't get a win i mean that's just brides made up but never a bride i know I, I mean, yeah. that's the thing, though, Ryan, is you mentioned earlier, like it's the the unexpected nature of of IndyCar. Right. And you can have a team like Roger Penske's Empire that is arguably one of the best prepared. You know, if racing is a combination of luck and preparation and toss in even a little bit of skill from the driver there. I mean, Penske's got the preparation for sure, and they've certainly got the driver skill with, you know, some of these uh, these cherry pick drivers out of this, you know, this field of 22, 20, 24 cars that we have here at Barber. And gosh, it's just lady luck that doesn't necessarily, you know, always shine on these guys. And and we've seen that come down to the championship battle the last couple of years. You know, what was that? Uh, was it 2014 or 2015 when Scott Dixon, like a dark horse out of the blue, comes and and, and wins the championship? By one point at Sonoma, and uh, you know, didn't they tie? I think they tied. Actually, oh, was with it Montoya. a tie? And it was a tiebreaker with uh, wins or something. Wins or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, yeah. No, the uh, the Barber race, obviously, really exciting conditions. You know, wet, slippery conditions throughout the weekend. But uh, Zach, I know you had mentioned with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That This has got to be a topic of discussion. Why doesn't Rossi like Barber? What's going on there? That's a question for you, Ryan. I don't know. That's why I'm wondering. Do you know? I don't know. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's it's not been the best place for him. Um, actually, where where we're going to, to Long Beach hasn't been that great to him other than the win. Uh, his other two results were, were quite poor. I think it's still a small sample size, so I wouldn't read a ton into it at this point. And, I mean, even still, he, he fought he had a fighting fifth uh, there at the end, despite really struggling for pace all weekend. I think you can put the Andretti's into the same box as the Penske's, where they really weren't sure why. They weren't as quick as some of their competitors. So um, I don't know if there is a clear answer to that question at this point. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed I'm not expecting an answer here. We can move on after this. But the interviews I saw with him, it was it didn't seem like it was just like a passing annoyance that he had with the place. He seemed to legitimately hate that. Like he would talk about how in every interview I saw with him over the weekend, he would touch on it at in some varying degree about, you know, I'm glad we only come here once a year or. I really can't stand this place. I can't wait to get out of here. Like it was, it was kind of the more, um, more, I don't know, heated. I've seen Alexander get out of anything. And it was just about the fact that they're coming to Barber. But like you said, you know, he hasn't had typically great showings at Long Beach. And now he's got this, uh, incredibly dominant win under his belt from last year. And now they get to head there for the, the accurate Grand Prix of Long Beach. since the first time that it's not been the Toyota Grand Prix in Long Beach. And since I can recall, uh, Ryan, what do you expect going into that race? Well, we just got done talking about how impossible it is to, to make predictions. I, I think you've got to be pretty careful about uh, making anything too firm at this point. I, I think it's going to be a, a blast for one thing. The weather is always great. The track is cool. The event, it just feels like a big time event when you're on the grounds. And, and in some cases, the race is almost secondary to that. But as far as the race goes, uh, I mean, there's there's a handful of places that, that you could look. I think Sebastian 
Sebastian Bourdais has been awfully good. Will Power's been awfully good. I, I I think those are maybe the places that that you start. It kind of depends on who's got the the damper program figured out. That's everything on these street courses in IndyCar, and uh, I, I'd say the Andrettis are probably going to be a factor once again. I think Rossi coming off of that win last year, there's probably a renewed sense of confidence for him going into Long Beach, and uh, yeah, I think those are maybe my short list of, of contenders if I'm just trying to draw names out of a hat right now. Well, if you look at the the the, the box scores over the past several years, and I, I think it's the last seven years we've had seven, seven different winners um, at Long Beach, so I mean, it comes down to, uh, well, for a while there, it came down to that fuel strategy game, right? Now, Zach and I were talking about this beforehand. I'm looking at the number of laps here. It looks like they upped it to 85 laps in 2017. Did uh, did we figure out the fuel issues last year? Was that a big complaint from the drivers? Do either of you recall? I'm not sure if that was resolved. I, I remember the, the number of laps was not favorable for an all-out race at the end. It all came down to saving fuel. And I know that was a big complaint. I think we must have fixed that for 2017 because there was a change in laps from 2016 to 2017. That whole thing, I think it's kind of a flawed premise, this adding laps or subtracting laps to try and and make for a more flat out race because the number of cautions you have in the race effectively nullifies any change that you've made. This is all assuming everything goes green and we've had that in the past, but I don't think you can count on that. So, uh, you know, you can go into this with a strategy to some degree, but everyone on the pit stand, they've got to be able to roll with the punches and the yellow flags are the big uh, mitigating factor that that can wipe away any strategy or provide cars at the back a chance to to vault to the front. So whether or not that, that really was resolved, I don't know. But I would also caution anybody to get their hopes up. Whenever these changes are made, it just takes one yellow and all of a sudden the window is completely different and and all of those calculations go out the window. So Ryan, what I think I'm hearing you say is that you would like to see a revival of a mandatory minimum number of pit stops. Uh-oh. No. Uh-oh. No, no, I don't think no, so at all. No, I, I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't like any of that. I, I think it should be up to the teams to figure it out. And and I don't know, sometimes, yeah, having an all-out race is, is entertaining Sometimes I think having the the different strategies going, I think that's what made Barber fun, at least from where I was in pit lane, trying to keep on top of the the eight cars in my section and who was on what strategy and how this was going to play out at the end. To me, I think that that can be pretty fascinating stuff. So uh, and and fuel saving to me isn't this giant negative that it is to so many people. So no, I I don't want to see anything dictated. I, we saw that at the 24 Hours of Le Mans last year with a, a bunch of regulations about when you pit and how much fuel and all these things that basically lock you into one strategy. And it was boring. And uh, I don't want to see that in IndyCar. Let the guys race is what I'm hearing. Let them race. I'm a fan of that. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm not really a fan. Okay, listen, I, Ryan, I have to admit, most of my IndyCar consumption this year has been through the radio program. I absolutely love what you guys are doing over there at IndyCar Radio. And it's been very apparent to me that this issue that we've had in years past has not necessarily gone away. And that's what are we going to do when we have a yellow coming in to three quarters to late in a fuel run and you got a couple of guys back in the field taking chances pitting early. And then you have somebody like, you know, willpower and the caution just comes out right away. He's totally screwed out of a position, out of track position. But then you, you look and see what happened at Barber. And I remember every time a yellow was waved, you know, guys who were coming by the pits were diving into there to get out of harm's way for that whole yellow situation. Is that something that you still see as a big issue? Or is that just something that these teams have to just strategize with. I mean, is that is that part of the game? I think so. And I credit Kyle Novak, the, the race director, for doing his best to keep the pits open as long as he can, as long as there's no one in a precarious position where safety crews need to be dispatched. He, he does his best to make sure that everyone has a chance to get into the pits and they don't get completely caught out. Now, the CODA situation that we saw, I think, was a bit unique in the fact that the, the crash happened right at the pit entrance. And 
and I don't think they had any choice but to close the pits there. And, and frankly, the, the teams out in front, they knew the risk that they were taking. They knew what would happen if a yellow came out, and I have a certain amount of empathy for the position that they found themselves in, but at the same time, other people were pitting, and they had that opportunity too. So uh, I kind of like the randomness of it. I understand it's not 100% fair or pure, but I can live with that for whatever reason. I, I will rail against the lack of purity in other series sometimes, but uh, in this particular instance, even though this isn't ultimately the most pure way or fair way of going about things, it seems like a fairly logical one. I think they do their best not to screw anyone over, and uh, sometimes it's going to happen. And uh, I, I think race control does it generally pretty good job in terms of how they handle this situation, which is imperfect, to say the least, but that's the nature of it. All right, Zach, what else uh, going into Long Beach? Do we have any other bullet points, or is it just time to go ahead and throw a guess out there at who's going to be taking home some hardware? Well, I think it's going to be Sebastian Bourdais. You really That's just did. my gut. Well, the thing <laughs> is, like, you know how I feel about Sebastian. Like, I think he's typically uh, underappreciated and undervalued, but the guy is, uh, I, I think he's on par with Scott Dixon, you know? Um, is it is it Scott Dixon and him that's getting inducted into the Long Beach Hall of Fame, or is it, it is Will Power? Power and okay. Sebastian Bourdais? Okay, I mean, I think he deserves to be on the uh, Long Beach Hall of Fame just for that pass that got taken away from him last year. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I, mean, I think that kind of goes, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the wind at his back sort of thing. That sort of performance that he put in last year, just kind of clawing his way through the field. I think they have at, at the very least a solid baseline to roll off the truck um, on Friday. Um, He's had a few wins here in the past. Uh, keep in mind, last win, Champ however, Gar, right? 2007 was last win. 06 yeah, and 07 back to back and Gar. make that 2005 as well. Champ so, Gar. yeah, yeah, That's right. that was that was his run of dominance in Champ Car when he won the four back to back. So, I mean, that's not surprising, but. The again, he made things, you know, the Newman Haas car back in the champ car days was obviously one of the more dominant cars of the field. But nevertheless, Sebastian Bourdais was elemental in making that car get the performance that it did. So I always have a, you know, kind of a fond feeling towards him, I guess. Like I always think fairly highly of him. And I think uh, I think Long Beach just generally suits him. And I think he's gotten caught out by luck a couple of times in the past. But him and Craig Hampson, they, they click pretty well. Um, and so I think it's just kind of finding that sort of chemistry that they kind of border on almost every race. And I think they're just building off of the last couple of years of um, momentum that they've been gaining there. So, yeah, I think Bourdais is, is probably a candidate for the win this coming weekend. Um, Dusty, who do you think? And then Ryan, who do you think? Well... I mean, gosh, it's so hard, right? Uh, I mean, I think Dixie, such an easy way out. What's Dixie's record here? I know he last win of 2015. Um, I mean, eh, you know, he's he's got a couple podiums this year, a podium at St. Petersburg. So yeah, I I tell you what, it's gonna be really interesting to see two Ganassi cars up there trying to dice it out in the top five, maybe. So I'm definitely gonna try to put my money on. A Ganassi car, and if I'm if I'm not trying to take any risks, I'm gonna choose the guy who's been in the series forever. But uh, gosh, it's 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 it is a tough one to call. But if I'd have to put my money on somebody, I'm gonna put my number number on that cold number nine, and uh, and see what comes up. Now, Ryan, are you gonna be there in person? Yes. I know you're gonna have your eyes on whoever you're assigned in 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 the in the pit lane, but. You know, going into the weekend, you know, which teams, which drivers do you think uh, seem to look strong for this newly named Acura event? Yeah, I rattled off a couple of them earlier. I think the board A pick is a good one. He had had three straight top tens at Long Beach until last year. Uh, finished 13th, I think. But uh, that was in part because of um, some issues, not of really of his making necessarily. Uh, I would say as well, if you're talking about Ganassi, I wouldn't overlook Felix Rosenquist. He's made a reputation as being something of a street course ace, going back to winning Macau a couple of times. He's excellent. He was excellent in Formula E, which is, of course, all street course races. He did well on street course races in Indy Lights. So I would not discount Felix Rosenquist in this race. But for me, I think the pick to win is probably Will Power. He's won there twice, seven times on the podium, three poles. He's never had a DNF and he's completed 99.7 of the possible laps uh, in his career at Long Beach. I think he is the one to watch for sure, especially how given how important qualifying 
is. We know how good he is at qualifying. Uh, my pick to win would be Will Power. Zach, I told you if we invite a human dictionary or human encyclopedia on the show, he's going to make us look like idiots. Yeah, this I was just thinking happens. like he should probably do this for a living or something. <laughs> yeah, you should In get defense, paid to I, record yourself. <laughs> I, I spent all day putting my notes together for the broadcast, so I'm reading directly off the notes I'll have with me in pit lane and that's where all this is coming from that makes a little more sense but still it's (laughs) it's still you know tough to swallow when you just rattle it off like that you had it perfectly ready um when do you head out right i leave on thursday morning okay good so we're not keeping you from we're not keeping you up late before you need to catch a red eye flight in the morning or something no that uh the red eye is thursday oh god had to (laughs) had to switch things around i was going to fly out later and there's going to be a blizzard in minneapolis and i'm supposed to connect through minneapolis so i said nope we'll take the red eye and just go direct that's probably for the best dusty and i've done the uh, the red eye coming back from a race before that wasn't that wasn't fun but uh we did record a podcast doing that too that yeah did sitting outside the atlanta garbage is what that was i actually really <laughs> liked that one it was fun because we we're delirious and tired yeah but, well more uh, delirious than we are normally but yes tired uh, yeah <laughs> Ryan, you're going to be pretty busy this coming weekend, right? Because we have both uh, sports cars and open wheel on track at the same time. Well, not simultaneously. Yeah, but, well, yeah, no, no, but I mean, at the same weekend. Correct. But, okay. Yes. But right. there's an idea. There's no, that would be a horrible idea. No, just give it a whirl. <laughs> I just give it a try. What could possibly go wrong? Well, I mean, uh, I don't, they're missing some classes on Detroit weekend, aren't they? So just make up with the car counts using IndyCar. Oh, there you go. Problem this is solved. A terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> So I assume you're going to be running around quite a bit uh, in Long Beach in the sun. So you'll probably come back with a tan and uh, maybe have sweated off a couple more pounds, huh? So Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get a whole lot of sympathy, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're going to. Well, the the weather's starting to warm up here a little bit. So uh, it's not, not necessarily too bad. Well, guys, I think we're running down to the end of the show. But just, uh, I mean, so far in the season, any other takeaways at this point? I mean, uh, obviously, there's been some surprise wins. Um is there anything in particular, Ryan, that you're looking forward to for the rest of 2019? Well, I'd like to see if the level of parity that we've seen so far is something that can continue. I think it's like, I'm pulling this up now, but I believe it's the top seven drivers in points represent seven different teams, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. I guess that's if you do count Colton Herta's Harding Steinbrenner team as separate from Andretti, and maybe you shouldn't. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about about that, to be honest. But nevertheless, you look at it, and at least in name, the top seven in points are from seven different teams. That's really amazing stuff. We haven't had a repeat winner yet. Um, I just want to see if that can keep going. So, real quick, Ryan, do you think yeah. Pato or Ward made the right call in turning down <laughs> well, the entry? No, it's not. This is a legitimate question. Do you think so he allegedly he had that offer from Andretti for like, uh, what was it, eight races? And he turned it down in search of, you know, something more expansive for the season. He lands the 12 or 13 race deal with Carlin. Do you think that was the right call? I don't think we can make a fair assessment of the decision because we don't know exactly what was offered to him from Michael Andretti. And the things that we've seen from Pato, uh, what he's been quoted on publicly, he's made it pretty clear that there's more to the story than what has been printed, but he's not allowed to talk about it. Sure. So without knowing that, I I would say it's hard to judge. That said, I do think he actually stepped into a pretty good spot. Trevor Carlin and that team, they're going to improve. You look at their track record everywhere they've run, they've been successful. I think it will take time, but they'll get there in IndyCar, and frankly, this has been a huge win for them. Having Pato Award has elevated that program, hands down, and I think to some degree, it's it's helped them because it's shown what their cars and what their team is capable of, and and that might help attract some talent for them in the future, too. So, uh, whether or not it was the right choice, I'm not sure I have a firm opinion on that. But what I can say is this is not a bad option. Even if it is the lesser of the two, he found a pretty good spot to fall back on. And I think he's flashed his talent just fine with Carlin and will continue to do so. Yeah, I agree. Ryan, I, I'd like to get your take on what you think his future is, though, because, I mean, this Pato Award will win in whatever he's in, right? So you being familiar with sports cars, you saw him you know, uh, just rail out an LMPC season with uh, James French. Of course, that was a pretty stacked team at the time, uh, obviously through the road to Indy. Um, I think this story becomes really interesting when you look at the fire this kid has. He's not right. You, you mentioned there might be more to the story, but 
you know, this kid knows what he's capable of. He wants to get put in a car that he's capable of doing it in. Very, very fiery personality, but at the end of the day, super personable as well. And if he's not very well known in the IndyCar fan base yet, I think he's going to have, if he plays his cards right, and I, Zach and I had already talked about this comparison in the past. I know the languages are different, Zach, Portuguese and uh, Spanish, but I think he's got a very, very, very um, tie the Latin American countries together or, or, or whatever it is. But I have a feeling that he's got that that charm that a lot of fans really appreciated out of Elio Castroneves. And I just I, I honestly feel that he's potentially going to be one of those stalwart characters that we see in this series very, very successfully in the future. I totally agree. I like the analogy. I think it's right. He, he's not it's not the same exactly as Elio, but I do think there is a similarity there. Um and he's a great interview. I love talking to the kid because he, he'll always tell you what he's thinking. Some of my favorite conversations with the race car driver off the air or off the record have been with Pato. <laughs> and uh, the stuff he'll tell you, it's it's awesome. And I've, I've uh, he's a great some friends. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great personality. If if he can get the finances behind him, there's no reason he can't be a star. His talent is just as impressive as that personality. And I, I think he's a, a really uh, potentially a big boon to the series if they can tap back into the Mexican market as well. Um, he's he's uh, he's the real deal, no doubt. All right, Zach. Well, anything else before we let our uh, let our guest go? Guest go for this episode? No, we got to let him pack. Yeah, we got to get ready. We really do. Well, Ryan, before we before we let you go, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't let uh, you share with uh, with the audience where where they can find more of your content, where they're going to be able to listen to you from in the future. All right. So this weekend, I'll be in Long Beach, like we've talked about, for IndyCar Radio. You can find me on IndyCarRadio.com, the local affiliates, uh, the TuneIn app as well has IndyCar Radio streaming, which is pretty cool, actually. If we're not on air for something live, it's just streaming usually an old Indy 500 or, uh, if not, old IndyCar series races, which is also exciting. I think. Um, and uh, let's see, where else? I'll be doing the pit lane reporting for SRO America. That will show on CBS Sports Network at some point, and you can find it on their YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Marine, R-Y-A-N-M-Y-R-E-H-N. Same handle on Instagram. And shout out to my wonderful fiance who does my Instagram account. She's really good. So all the all the great stuff you see on there is from her. Wait, I just wait, take wait, the wait. pictures. You're telling me that all the comments that I'm leaving on those photos are going to her? <laughs> well, I do respond to them, but she actually <laughs> posts everything. Oh, I can see the conversation now. Hey, Ryan, get a load of this character. <laughs> yep, it's happened. Awesome. All right, Ryan, well, we really appreciate your time on the show, and maybe we might check in with you later on in the season as well, but it's been really exciting to see your career grow in the sport, and we're looking forward to seeing what your 2019 looks like. Oh, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, Dusty. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. I'm glad it worked out, and I'd be happy to jump on anytime you need me. It's Sparks joy. Wow, Zach, what a rousing first episode of TPF Indie. Are you excited now? Actually, I feel incredibly rusty. We got to get this. We got to shake off. Wait, wait, wait. Rusty, Shouldn't I dusty? be the one that feels rusty? Because you're rusty, dusty. Yeah, you're just oh. fat Zach. <laughs> Hold on. Let me redo that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You want to keep that in? That's sure. fine. All right, let's keep it in. I don't care. It's fine. We're having a good time. No, it is good to get back recording again. Um, it is. It's like, uh, well, you and I never talked when we weren't recording, so now we're friends again. So that's good. Uh, I'd actually consider that the downside of this. but uh... <laughs> Well, it has been a really uh, fun show. It's been a really fun season so far. This is a bi-weekly show, so we'll be coming back to uh, you guys, the TPF community, in two weeks' time. Uh, what's in two weeks from now? What's, what's the 2019 IndyCar schedule look like, Zach? So we will have the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach done and over with by then and then the next race we'll be discussing is the indycar grand prix at indianapolis motor speedway wow that's coming up really quick beginning of may so a month away yeah there's it a, is big a month gap. away it is a, yeah, big, there's gap. a big gap have we so, had this before this gap no i was actually commenting on it to uh my boss is actually going out to long beach this weekend and i was like wait a minute is there is there another race after long beach before the grand prix and i actually had to look it up because it's it's the first time that I can recall this big of a gap between the Grand Prix and whichever race has preceded it. So, well, that's great. It's a thing, nice little spring break. It is a nice little spring break. I would imagine that McLaren would take full advantage of this uh, 
and use a, a pretty good lead up time coming into the month of May. Cause I'm, I don't know if, are they participating in the open test that usually closes out the month of April and like unofficially opens the month of May. Yeah. You know? I was, I was under the understanding that they were, yeah, I well, it's so. a bespoke team, man. It's their own team. It's true. So then, they've got uh, to, they got to get ready to run full time next year. Oh, they do. And then they need to start getting ready to start supplying engines. Mm-hmm. All right. Same well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go ahead and bring the first episode of TPF Indie to a close. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. You can contact me at Dusty at theparkferme.com. Uh, Zach is at Zach at the park com. With an H. S- with an H. With an H. Even though in my phone it's with a K. Um, I also spell Ryan's name with an H it's Raya for some reason, but if I squint, it looks like an N. So that's fine. Um, you know what this tells me Dustin, <laughs> what's that? That you have a drinking problem. No, 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 yes. no, no, I don't yes. look. Oh really? We're going to take this tonight? off the show. We're going to take this off the show. And, uh, as always, you can find more episodes, uh, in the future at the park Jim beam and Johnny Walker. Oh, those are two new guests that I haven't, didn't realize were on the show. <laughs> You're not supposed to be. That's not the show list. Um, anyways, theparkferme.com you'll be able to find Zach on social media at Zach Wenzel and uh, you'll just be able to email me but I will be active on the the posts and the uh, the activities at the website the Park Firme. so check me out there if you can't uh, find me uh, there just uh, send me an email and we'll keep this show on the road it's been a little bit rusty like Zach said this first time thank you for bearing with us and we're going to be Uh, improving the show as we uh, move forward and we're looking forward to some really awesome guests this week or not this week this this season as well so thanks for joining us we'll catch you in another two weeks here on tpf indie